The following is a presentation of Blackville Church of God. We hope you are blessed by this wonderful sermon brought to you by our lead pastor, Barry Peavy. Our worship times are Sunday morning at 11 a.m. and Sunday evening at 6 p.m. and Wednesday nights at 7.30. We hope to see you join us soon here at the Ville for dynamic worship services. We have something available for the whole entire family. So come out and bring your family and enjoy worshiping God with us here at Blackville Church of God. Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 25. And I welcome you to stand for the reading of God's word if you would like to. Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, what is written in the law? How readest thou? In other words, what do you read in the law? And he answering said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. I want you to stop just a moment there. I want to remind you that Jesus said a couple of things about this. Jesus talked about this, that it was a true measure of where we stood with him. Matter of fact, I'm quoting the Lord whenever he said, uh, by this shall all men know you are my disciples if you have love one towards another. Now I want to stop right there just a moment. Now I, please, now I heard two messages this week on offense and I wish to God, and I, I'm thinking seriously about buying one of them and trying to give every person in this church to read it because if I preached it, y'all would be offended at me. And it'd go against what I want out of it. But, but if that doesn't hit the nail on the head with where we're at, everybody gets mad and offended, and we use that as an excuse to end our relationship with God. So I want to go and tell you, I'm going to preach the truth this morning, but I'm not trying to be offensive, okay? That's not the point. But when I read the Word of God myself, it leads me to repentance. Do you all understand that? Yes. The Bible tells us that the Word of God is for reproof, rebuke, correction. Yes. All Scripture. That's what Paul told Timothy. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for those reasons. That's what God said of his word. Amen? Amen? So I want to go ahead and tell you what the Lord is saying here. And the Lord is telling us here that a great measure, and I, I won't be fit to what I say, I love preaching the word of God and I love Pentecostal worship. I love jumping, shouting, and this is what I'm going to say that I don't want to offend anybody. I love it. I'm an emotional guy. God created me that way, and I feel the Lord, and I got to move sometimes. But the Lord is saying here the true measure of your spirituality is not whether or not you talk in tongues. The true measure of where you stand with Him is not when you jump and shout. Jesus didn't say, By this shall all men know you, my disciples, because you do that every now and then. He said, By this shall all men know you, my disciples, if you have love one toward another. And when he said that, 
Jesus answered him and said, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in the oil and the wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to him, Take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus to him, to us, go and do thou likewise. You may be seated. Lamb of God, thank you for the opportunity to share your word this morning. We confess openly and honestly that we're nothing without you. Our talents are few. Our limitations are many. But we are your servant. I know that you have given me this word. It's been on my spirit for so many weeks now. And Father God, I believe last night waking me out of sleep and in my dreams and in my sleep, you were bearing witness with my spirit. Perhaps I was studying a different route because I know that this word may be a little tough at times, God, but I, I, just, uh, I know that you've laid it on my spirit. And I just praise you for it. And I pray that you would anoint it and make us like you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Boy, this is a powerful word. I want to study the depths of what this is saying. Maybe we're going to go a little deeper today than most of us are, are accustomed to with this passage of Scripture. But Jesus is being asked, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? What shows that I have been redeemed? What is the measure of my faith? What is the testimony that you would receive that shows that I have been changed, that, I, that I'm trying to become like God? And Jesus asked him, well, what does the law say? And the man answers correctly, as Jesus said, well, the first commandment is to love the Lord thy God, all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy power, and then, though, to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, a couple of things I want you to note about this, and this is pretty powerful to me, is the Ten Commandments aren't necessarily worded that way. The first part is, I'll have no other gods before me, love the Lord your God. But we don't see it exactly worded, love your neighbor as yourself. And when you read the writings and the teachings of Jesus, you notice that that was something that he taught so it seems evident to me that this man, even though he's trying to trick Jesus, is familiar with what Jesus is teaching. And you see that, that evidently he has some kind of problem with it because he's repeating back to Christ what he has taught. You've got to love the Lord your God and love your neighbors yourself. Matter of fact, Jesus said this way. It started with a new commandment I give unto you that you love your neighbor as yourself. So evidently he's been a student or familiar with the teachings of Jesus, 
But it seems to me that perhaps this man has a problem with that. Because he follows up that question saying, listen, this is the way I see it. Uh, this is what I've heard you say. You got to love the Lord. And the very next thing, you got to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, yeah, you're exactly right. Well, I got just a question for you then. Who is my neighbor? Give me some kind of example. Who is my neighbor? You know why? Because we don't like to get involved. That's part of the power of where we're going today. We don't like to get involved. It, 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 we like to put ourselves in a cocoon. We like to put ourselves in, 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 in an area where we can just gather around and we have our own rules and regulations and everybody knows them and that way we don't have to mess with the outside world. Because when we mess with the outside world, we get the filth of the outside world. Amen? Because that's the way it is and you can't do it no other way. Amen? Everybody understand that? And so we try to stay away from that and that seems to be the motivation of this man so Jesus then says, well, I'm just going to explain it to you in a way that you can understand who your neighbor is. And he tells the story. And let's look at the facts of the story today. A man is going from one place to another and he falls among thieves. This is the robber. That represents Satan himself. Matter of fact, John, in his gospel, Jesus is quoted as saying, the thief, which is the same thing as the robber, comes not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now the first thing that the thief tries to steal is mentioned into the story because the Bible tells us right here, Jesus said that what they did when they robbed from him is they took away his garment. They took it from him. And in biblical times, I want to remind you of some things we've taught in the past. I'm not going to preach it all over again, but just to remind you of where we're headed with this today. In biblical times, what you wore was an identification tag of who you were. Let me give you three quick examples of that. First of all, we see in the story of blind Bartimaeus. We see that the Bible tells us when Jesus called to heal him, that the man left his cloak and went to Jesus to be healed. Why? Because historians tell us in that day that somebody that was handicapped wore certain type of clothing to identify themselves. You got to look at narrow streets, not built around the automobile. Narrow streets, just wide enough for people to walk, wide enough for a wagon or camels or donkeys to go through. And if a blind man was walking it, when it, when people were coming in, they were able to see that identification, so they would know to slow down their their steed or whatever. They would know to slow down their horse or slow down their camel or slow down their donkey, lest they would run over because somebody that was handicapped was identified as such. And so this blind man, when Jesus calls to heal him, purposely leaves his coat because he said, let me tell you something, I came here blind, but I ain't leaving blind. So I'm leaving what my identity is here because now I'm not going to be identified as a blind man anymore. We see it also in the story of the woman that touched the hem of Jesus' garment. We preach that to you. The word used for him there is the Greek word kraspadon, which literally means fringe or tassel. What it is is the zitzit, which are the tassels of the tallit, which is the prayer shawl. That's why she said, if I could but touch the tallit, the hem of his garment, why she said that? Because 
uh, between all of those fringe and tassels, there's a no, number of 613 of them with all the knots and the strands. And by touching that, she was saying, he's the fulfillment of the law. I'm not righteous enough to get my healing from God, but he is the word made flesh. So I'm going to touch him. Why? Because he was identified as a teacher of the law. Because Jesus would have wore a prayer shawl. And then another time that we see the identification is we see the story of Mary when she sees Jesus, Mary Magdalene, risen from the dead. And she thinks it's a gardener. Why would she think that it was somebody tending a garden? It's because historians let us know that those that tended gardens wore certain types of clothing, certain colors that, that largely resembled the colors of the high priest. And so the reason Jesus said, don't touch me now, Later on, he would tell Thomas to touch his hands and his side, right? So why would he tell Mary not to touch him? Because as a high priest, he was taking his own blood to pour out on the real mercy seat. That's why when she looked at him, he wasn't wearing the clothes that he had wore before of the rabbi. He was wearing the clothes of the high priest. So all throughout biblical history, they wore clothing to identify who they were. So whenever these robbers came and took this man's clothing, they were trying to steal his identity, who he was. Let me explain something to you. The Word of God says that before we were formed, or as we were formed in our mother's womb, that God knew us, and he spoke our being into existence, our members, it said in the King James Version which is speaking of our digits, fingers, and toes. The Lord is speaking the color of our eyes, the numbers of the hair on our head. Are you with me? Now, if you mean to tell me that God knows me so much, listen now, that he has created me and spoke what I would look like, what I would sound like, the color of my hair, the number of my days, that he would not then order something for my life. Oh no, he has. God has ordained a plan for my life. My real identity is who God says I am. Are you with me? And so what the devil does as the robber in this story is the first thing he wants to do is take away your identity. I mean, come on, y'all are sick as I am a Bruce, Caitlin, Jenner, whatever it is now. And I think it's absolutely pitiful. You know why it is? It's somebody who has been stripped of their identity. They don't know who they are. And I'm going to tell you something. You could close a blind eye if you want to, but that's opposite what the story tells us to do. We're going to get there in just a minute. But we're living in a day in the world which is searching for some kind of identity. And the reason that they're searching for an identity is because they fell among robbers, the thieves, which is sin. And sin has robbed them of their God-given identity. And so that's why they take the man's coat. You know why? Because anybody coming by, if they saw him in that condition, they would know who he was. Come on, y'all don't look at me strange today. Amen. We even got some around here. We got some new shirts around here, Blackville Church of God. Amen. And some of you work at places where you got identification. Y'all, come on now. 
You're going through the hospital, somebody's got on a white coat, who's that? Doctor. Somebody got on one of blue scrubs, who's that? Y'all going all kind of nurse, uh, anesthesia, anesthesia, all this work. But you see the point. You know who they are. And that's what was going on. So anybody that could have walked by said, oh man, this is so-and-so. This guy does this. We need, but they stripped him so nobody knew who he was. And that's the way sin does. The thief, the robber comes to steal your identity. But not only does the thief come to steal, the Bible says the thief comes to kill. He comes to kill your spirit. That's why the word of God says that this man was left half dead. Because a thief is trying to kill your spirit. And that's why so many people never get to where we're going to go to, the restoration. is because the enemy through sin has stolen what God spoke them to be. Don't look at me straight. Let me tell you what God said, Jeremiah. He said, before you were born, when you were in your mother's womb, mother's womb, <coughs> mother's womb, I called you then and ordained you to be a prophet among the nations. I just alluded to the fact a while ago that I was called to preach, divinely called at age 12 at a church youth camp to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you think that God just made that decision that day to call me? Oh, no, 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 no. I believe long before I was born, but certainly whenever my heart started beating in my mother's womb, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost right now. I believe that God looked down. Amen. Not only did he say that boy's going to have black hair and hazel eyes. Amen. And going to be loud as loud can be. I believe look down and said the reason he's going to be loud as loud can be is because I'm going to call him to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that in 2015 he can tell somebody in a little place called Adrian, Georgia how much that God loves them and has plans for their life. And so the enemy not only wants to steal your identity of who God has created you to be, he wants to kill your spirit and leave you wounded. And that's why so many people never make it to what God called them to be is because sin has wounded them. Y'all think about it now. Amen. Y'all think about it. I'll give you an example of my own life. I don't want to go into too many details, but I will tell you this is the, this is the gospel fact. And I was reminded of this week when I saw some of the very friends that told me this. Some of you know the tragedy that I went through a few years ago. Man, that was a tough situation. You're pastor, you're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've done it all your life and you have happened to you what I had happened to me, an unfaithful wife who refused reconciliation and all those things. I give up a church that I love, pastored for 14 years, one of the largest churches in Coffee County. Things are going great. And the devil just gets involved in it. I had so many people tell me six, eight months later when they would still see me around camp meeting, they'd still see me at the altars and they'd still see me somewhere preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'd have people tell me, I can't believe you're doing what you're doing. Well, I know so many people that have had happened to them something like happened to you and they quit serving God. They, they went to going to bars. They said they wouldn't ever preach the gospel of Jesus Christ again. Now I want to take it to your story. How many of the people we know that no longer are sitting on church pews because something happened? They're no longer teaching Sunday school. They're no longer bringing their children to church because somebody upset them because sin got involved in the place. Somebody hurt them. Life threw them a curveball. 
Somebody they love died and they blame God. Somebody they love left them and they feel like God has forsaken them. Come on. They went through financial distress. They've gotten sick in their body. And for whatever reason, it has killed their spirit. So they're half dead somewhere. Right? Laying in a spiritual ditch. Wounded and bleeding to death because something happened to them. And if the devil can ever kill your spirit, the thief comes to steal your identity, to kill your spirit, then he will destroy your destiny. He will destroy. You see, why did that happen? Well, of course, people got involved and somebody had to willfully sin. But what the devil meant in my life was to destroy my destiny. Because my destiny is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the devil was trying to shut up one more mouth that would, my God, you hear me, that would still preach it with everything I got that the tomb is in. Hallelujah. And Jesus Christ is Lord and he's coming back again. That's what the thief does. And that's where humanity's at. And then comes religion. There's a couple of things I want to show there. And I want to go kind of a little different in the way that it happened. The Bible says, first of all, that the priest came and then came the Levite. And that is the order that the Lord told the story. But I want to tell you what I think they represent. See, the priest in this Story. The same word that's used for priest here in the Greek is the same word that's translated for high priest. And the word for Levite just means somebody out of the tribe of Levi. And I want to remind you that it's called the Levitical priesthood because everybody that was a priest was out of the tribe of Levi. So the way that I view the story, since the priest is specifically identified, perhaps the high priest, and then the Levi is just referred to as a student of the law, a Levite. Then what it expresses to me is the, the Levite is the one who is younger in the story, especially in his faith, than the priest. And I want to show you where it leads to you, where it leads to. First of all, well, let's look at the Levite. The Bible says that he came and he went and he saw him and went over and looked at him. Then he went to the other side. Now there again, Levitical priesthood, students of the law. It's where we get Leviticus from in your Bible, where the law is given. Because some way, listen to me now, some way in the law, the man found justification not to touch the man. Perhaps it was in the law that tells him that he would be defiled. And let me tell you something, I've been Israel. I'm fixed to go back again, God willing, in November. And I will tell you something, those super religious Orthodox Jews that you see walking around dressed in black and they got the curls down their sideburns, all that kind of stuff. Ask Sister Beth has been, they won't even look at you. When they walk, they walk looking at their feet or like two steps in front. You know why? Because they're afraid that they will defy, defile rather themselves if they look on something unclean like a heathen Christian preacher from the United States of America. Amen. Now some of them are very 
friendly. I understand they are. But I've spoken to some of them that won't that act like they ain't even heard me. Sir, could you give me direction? Won't even look at you. Do you know what time it is? You know why? Because somehow in the law they're justifying not getting involved with somebody like me. You see. And so that's where that's what religion does. Hello. Let me explain something. Religion likes to criticize your situation without offering you restoration. I'm going to say that again. Religion likes to criticize your situation without offering you restoration. Y'all looking at me strange, but going back to the blind man, huh? When one blind man is being brought to Jesus in John chapter 9, look at what his religious disciples said. Instead of worrying about his healing, the man's blind. That's why he's here. That's what we need to be doing. They weren't concerned about his healing. They looked at Jesus and said, Hey, Lord, tell us who sinned, this man or his parents. Read it, John chapter 9, that he was born this way. You know why? Because religion likes to criticize you because of your situation. Amen. Well, if they hadn't have done this, they would, that's what religion, come on, y'all know it. We got wagon, te- wagon tongues, come on. That's what we got, wagon tongues. Amen. Come on now. Remember, don't be offended. It's what Jesus said. He said, blessed are those who don't offend me. So if you say you offended me, you're really offended in the Lord. And I'm gonna let you take it up with him. Amen. But ain't that what we do? Well, they get what they deserved. Mm-hmm. I told you. Come on, that's what religion does. That's what religion does. Well, if he had to travel this way, I told him this was a dangerous road. Hmm? He must have done something wrong. Come on now. Because God, I'm here and I'm okay on this road. God, that's what the disciples said. A blind man ain't worried about the fact that he's blind. Ain't worried about the fact that they got the one that heals. They came to restore all things, ready to minister healing. All they worried about is why has this man sinned or his parents that he be born blind? Because that's what religion does. Now let me tell you the problem with that. Because you see the student of the law, at one time he actually cared enough that he even went and looked. Then he found a reason not to help. But as he grows older and becomes priest, he won't even go look anymore. Because the priest, the Bible says, never even went and looked at the man. He sees a problem, he just walks by the other side. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Because that's where we get so often Pentecostal believers when we get real mature. We no longer even care about the world. We just walk to the other side. Y'all, it's quiet, but I'm, I'm, I'm preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ right here. Because the Bible didn't say in Luke 19 and 10 the Son of Man came so we could build a good building. He never said the Son of Man came so that we could shout and get our glory bumps on. He said the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. And you want to know, you want to know, you want to know the real reason, one of the greatest reasons why so many churches are dead, stagnant, and no growing and nobody getting saved. And I tell you why. It's because we've got to the place where we're the high priest of the story. We're so religious. Till we don't even look at it anymore. I don't want nothing to do with that mess. 
God help me. We sit there and we say we're praying for lost souls and we couldn't handle it. We want to know why God won't bring them in because we can't handle if God brings them in. If God brings them in, y'all forgive me now, but I'm telling you, now, I'm no big sticker on this. Don't bother me. I'm just going to be honest with you. But if God brings them in and they tattooed all over their bald head and all over the face and whatever, you know what we would do? You think we would pray for them? Y'all know, I'm telling you the truth. We'd look at them and tell them how sorry, what they are, shake our heads at them, talk and wag those tongues, and talk about what a heathen they are, who do they think they are, coming to the big Blackville church. Don't they know we just set a YWA record? Get... Huh? Come on now. Coming off the street smelling like the world. Don't they know how they ought to dress to come to church? Don't they know what they ought to look like? No, they don't know.